Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hi, Rory. Hey, Paul. It's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm glad you're here. We have another opportunity to talk about how coaching can really move people forward, help mm-hmm. them with their career, help them with their lives. How did you start doing this? Yeah, I was, as I uh, mentioned before, been doing sales training, didn't work. Uh, and the magic formula was teaching managers how to coach sales. And when I did that, it was like, warm knife through warm butter and it just went it just moved it happened and you go to organizations and you work with uh mm-hmm. managers who have direct reports right all the way up to the ceo to right. make sure that they follow the philosophies which you call philosophies or aspects or just coaching points of, of yeah. coaching you just have a, I think I, I, the best phrase i like is the coaching mindset okay that, uh, i don't think coaching is a technique it's a way of being gotcha so, you know, do you want to be a coach? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you use techniques, I think that's kind of cheap and manipulative. But if you're going to be a coach, uh, it comes from a heart of caring. And and just like uh, one of the quotes in my best boss book, I, I interviewed a guy and asked him who's your best boss and why. And he said, my best boss was more interested in promoting me than himself. And I think if you come with that mindset, I mean, that person wanted to be a great manager. And so it wasn't a technique with him. It was a way of being. And it's so it's a I, culture shift more than just a new technique. Right. And, and, and you've got to hire, you've got to hire managers with that right mindset that they really want to see their, they're there, not just to get the task done, but to get their, their folks in the right track. I mean, the, one of the things that I use from Marcus Buckingham, our job is not to get work done through people, but get people done through work. And that we, in fact, grow people. We leave them better than we found them. Um, that they progress and grow. And I think though, that's the really mindset of a, of a great coach is that, that it's not a technique, it's not a strategy, it's not a way of, you know, it's not a new management fad. It's not, it's not a fad. It's, right. it's a way of being. Either you do this or you don't. Okay. And, and we've kind of glossed over this a couple times in these podcasts, mm-hmm. but you, did, you do have the best boss book out there. How can right. people – Buy that book and read that book and learn some of the concepts from there. Uh, yeah, it's on Amazon. I've got the best boss book on Amazon. I've also got a best service book on Amazon, and so they can grow, uh, you know just content. Look at the con- uh, Amazon and grab those. But basically, in the best boss book, I interviewed literally hundreds of people and asked them who their best boss was and why. And what I found is uh, I really did. I wrote that book prior to the coaching process, and so while I was doing that, you know, as I was working on the book. Uh, I began to realize before I really focused on coaching and that part of the process that as folks were mentors and managers and and really coaches, then they got the best results of their folks. Then as I progressed as a as a consultant and realized the power of coaching, then I realized, wow, this is a whole host of great stories about coaching. I just didn't realize that that was the essence of it. So you interviewed people, you noticed real world application of these things right. for your book. And that's what you're going to talk about this week. You're going to talk about a, right. a story about how someone uh, overcame some internal interference that they had. Right. You know, that's one of the things, and that, I'm glad you used the word interference because I love the definition uh, in a Super Coach by Graham Alexander. And he and John Whitmore kind of started the coaching culture as we know it after Timothy Galloway wrote his book, uh, his famous book, uh, The Inner Game of Tennis. And in there, he's got a definition that which is 
uh, performance equals potential minor, minus interference. And so for you to perform at the highest level, you've got to get rid of that interference. And, and we can do a whole session on just a whole podcast or several podcasts actually right. on the, on interference. But interference can be anything that's in your head. And it can be your perception of a manager. It can be your perception of an employee. It can be your biases towards an employee. It could be all of those kinds of things, that interference that keeps that relationship going at the highest level possible. And so performance equals potential minus interference. So if you can minimize that interference, and the greatest coaches do that, they minimize that interference so that they get the high level, highest level of performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they used to say of Bear Bryant, he could take his ins and beat yours ins, and he could beat your, he could take yours ins and he could beat his ins. <laughs> uh, and, and the whole th- thing is that Bear yeah. Bryant knew how to coach so effectively that he could collapse that that gap between performance and potential and you know you want to collapse you want to compress that gap and the, the greatest managers compress that gap and uh, that's the key and that's what i that's what drives me is to help people get to the point where they can compress that gap and really have an impact on people's lives and you have a story I have a story time. yeah this story real life story uh, uh-huh. working with a client and uh, a, a young middle manager uh, just been promoted to middle manager and struggling with that concept of how uh-huh. to do that and so her and her manager got crossways. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And it happens. Yeah, it does. And and actually, that's not a bad thing because sometimes, it's just like in a service story, the recovery can be better than just right. the service initially. Right. You know, they'd say, wow, they made this mistake, but they fixed it, and the fix was remarkable, and now mm-hmm. they're one of the my best stores to go to. Right. So sometimes having a misstep or a mistake is not a bad thing. It can really... You can overcome that. It can actually make a relationship stronger. And if you always agree, as mm-hmm. this saying goes, one of you is not needed. So those <laughs> right. things should happen. You should find people who have different points of views. And that's an absolutely great point. And one of the things I, I teach management teams is, is this important concept, speak with one voice. Now, you may you may in the meeting uh, have a spirited discussion about strategy and philosophy and techniques or whatever it may be. But once the decision is made, mm-hmm. then you've got to go out and speak with one voice. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, then... Um, you know, it's, it's the old saying that I love to say, either you're rowing the boat or you're putting a hole in the boat, mm. but you make the choice. Yeah. And and people, I think, do it for good intentions. They put holes in the boat with really, I think, what's a good intention. I don't think they're, people are, you know, a corporate terrorists. They're not going out there trying to destroy an organization. But because of some misunderstanding or more some event, they they make a mistake mm-hmm. and they, they go down the wrong path and they're, they start putting holes in the boat rather than rowing the boat. And, and so that's what we're going to really talk about today is uh, a young middle manager uh, struggling with a decision her manager made and how they can work on that scenario. And so uh, I was working, you know, coaching this person and I could tell she was struggling and how she's going to handle this. And uh, you know, this is a little delicate. I don't want to give away any i tell stories but i don't tell secrets and so uh, i have the utmost respect for her and her manager and i work both in a coaching role with both of them and uh so when she came to me and she said i'm having some trouble with this uh, i was bothered by it because they were both just great individuals and i i really really like both of them i think they're just absolutely terrific individuals and so i hated to see them have a conflict so at that point i almost felt like a marriage counselor and how do i how do i deal with this so I was doing training at this organization, and on the training day, we also had you know lunch brought in so that we could you know compress the lunch hour from one hour to maybe 35, 40, 45 minutes, something like that. So obviously, we start quicker, we get finished quicker. Um, this middle manager clearly was struggling with this, and and so I said, hey, 
you got a second. Let's just walk around the block. It's kind of business residential area. And we decided to walk around the residential area and say, where are you at? What's going on? Uh, what's happening? And so uh, we started that conversation. As we're walking around, I began to ask her coaching questions that I had kind of worked on the night before because I had had this con, you know, I'd had this conflict in my mind, and I, mm-hmm. I kind of knew where I wanted the coaching process to go, but I wanted her to ask the questions to see if we could create awareness and responsibility on her behalf. So, and you started using the questions which you've mentioned so many times on these right. podcasts that really trying to have. Mm-hmm. The person that you're coaching come up with uh, where they are in the situation. Right. It goes from the concept of the geniuses within, and meaning that person knows what they need to do in order to fix this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of interference uh, and lack of clarity, they aren't able to come to that conclusion. Our job as a coach is to create a sense where they can reduce that interference and get clarity and come to a, a, a solution that is mutually beneficial. So as we're walking, I began to ask, okay, your managers and you, if you if you had a manager coming to you and they had a disagreement, how would you like them to approach it? And she goes, I'd like to have them approach it to me in a private sense. Okay, very good. Now, after your decision was made and they said they still disagreed with you, after they still disagreed with you, then where would you uh, like them to, uh, how would you like them to handle it? And she said, well, I'd like to keep it private. Okay, I said, very, very good. I said, okay, now you and your manager are having a conflict and you're having a difference of opinion. And I said, are you, is it you against is it the two of you against the problem or is it both of you against each other and she said right now it's kind of both of us against each other and i said is that healthy and she goes no and that's why i'm struggling with this okay very good so we want to get to the point where it's you the two of you against the problem and not two of you against each other she goes yes i said let me ask you this okay your managers how do you want them to come to you and she goes i want them to come to me privately and i said all right and you want them to keep it private after that i said okay how have, have you brought this issue that you disagree with with your manager to your manager and have you shared it with them? Yes. Um, then let me ask you this. Uh, how have you handled that information after that? And mm. that was where the breakthrough occurred. Because okay. uh, we were literally walking and it was almost like she was stunned. Uh, she kind of stopped for a minute and kind of stumbled. And you could tell that, you know, it was such a, a profound thought that she literally couldn't walk and think at the same time on that one. And not that that's a bad thing. It means right. that you really you hit, hit a breakthrough. Right. You hit the, the point of it. And that's remarkable that you use that term because that's really about 10 minutes later she goes, I think we've had a breakthrough. Oh, okay. And, and I thought that was profound on her behalf. But the key is that, you know, the two of us still have a good working coaching relationship. We still have trust. I want to see her succeed. She obviously wants to succeed, and I want the organization to succeed. And so how can we do that as a coach and make it all work in a positive way? And uh, so then uh, I said, okay, now I want you – I'm going to challenge you uh, because I think that's another important key of of coaching is to challenge that individual to go outside their comfort zone. And there's basically three levels of conflict or three levels of conversations you can have with a manager or an employee. And that is obviously a comfortable conversation, Mm -hmm. an uncomfortable conversation, or then the elephant in the room. Okay. And I challenged her. I said, okay, you need to get the elephant. You need to have the elephant in the room conversation. It's here. It's, it may be difficult. You know, there may be some tears, but you need to have that conversation. And so then I said, what I want you to do is go and, you know, your manager wants to see you succeed. Your manager has a tremendous amount of respect for you. And your manager has taken a lot of arrows to promote you to this level because there are folks in the organization that think "Ah, you probably shouldn't be promoted. So with that in mind, think 
this person is an advocate for you and go back and, and go with that mindset. How can, how can we work together to do that? So I challenged her to go back and ask some, you know, write some questions that you can ask your manager how we can repair the relationship, but how can you be a more effective middle manager? So just to take a step back, there was clearly an issue. You used questions to mm-hmm. help her to help her figure out what the real issue was. Right. And now the solution here is to ask more questions. I love this. So the idea that these questions right. really get to the root of the matter. It does. And it gets to the root of the matter of the two people. So I, mm-hmm. I challenged her. I said, you know, your, I said, have you really thought about what it what is required of you to be the middle manager? And she admitted no. And I said, that's your homework. Uh, over this next week before you and I have another coaching conversation, I want you to have a mindset of what it means to be a, an effective middle manager. And I think it's important for people that are middle managers that when a decision is made that maybe you don't agree with and maybe your folks don't agree with, you've still got to you, – you're in a very delicate position. Oh, you yeah. still need to remember – Earn the respect of the person above you. Mm-hmm. You need to earn and keep the respect of the people below you. But when you're navigating that or threading that needle, you need to work with those folks in between, you know, because you've got folks on both sides of you and you feel compressed and middle managers typically do. Oh, yeah. It's very challenging. Very challenging. But I said you can't lose respect of and, and admiration of those folks above you and below you. And the way that you do that is you say, okay, this decision was made. This is what we're going to do. However, you can give me your feedback on this. We're going to implement it. We're going to operate because this is the policy. But if you have some information that you would like me to share with my manager, I will be happy to take it to them on your behalf. And we'll tell them this is the issues. But in the meantime, we're going to be te- good teammates. We're going to row the boat. We're not going to put holes in the boat. And and, and she hadn't really thought about that concept mm-hmm. about how important it is to be a middle manager and to do that. So... So then from that, she went and did some homework. Okay. And um, so she wanted to ask the question, uh, what should I start doing? You know, so she was going to ask her manager. With her manager. Yeah. Right. What, what should I start doing? Um, you know, and then she asked, where have I not taken enough action? And this individual, uh, she's very project-focused and very action-focused. And what I want her to do now is to move from the project concept to working with folks. How do I work with people? Uh, because, you know, she's... Before, when you, this is the first time she's really been in management issues, and it's so common uh, to stay task focused when you start working with people. And now, when you start working with people, you got to be people focused, and they get the task done. Our job is not to get work done through people, but our job is to get people done through work. And that's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different belief and an attitude. And so, you can see even her questions are, "What should I start doing?" Rather than how should I start coaching more effectively, mm-hmm. or how do I coach my folks, or even what did I do wrong. You know, because right. that's looking at the past. Yeah, but you know that's sometimes really difficult to do. Sure. And and she already came to that realization. We mm-hmm. we came to that point. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we have to you know dredge that up that's again. That's good because it's it's painful right. to do that. As long as she's aware and she's willing to take responsibility, and she clearly is, then we're off to the mm-hmm. races. And um and then and then the other side of the coin is too. She did ask the question, not what I did wrong, but what should I change? Okay. And so that's a that's a better way of sure. saying, hey, I messed Much. up. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed, but what should I change? And then that gives the manager the opportunity to say, okay, let's talk about this. And how did you operate? How did you handle things? You know, what happened? Where did the conflict occur? And where did the difference opinion have happened? And then she asked another great question is what should I continue? So what am I doing well? And what okay. should I change? What should I do differently? And, and she also asked the question, what am I doing well? Cause I think it's very, very critical for, for managers to give people I think you should give them three things they're doing well. I like to use the crown effect. 
here's three jewels that you do great. You do great at customer service. You do great at answering the phone. You do great at, you know, if you, if there's any dead time, you know, when in McDonald's, if there's time to clean, there's time, you know, if there's time to, time lean, to lean, there's yeah. time to clean. You know, you, you, those three things you do very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, great at answering the phone, great at work with, with customers, and you're great at, you know, using your time effectively. Here's, those are three jewels on your crown that are excellent. Let's, I want to take another jewel and polish that so we can improve your crown. And I just think that's a much more yeah. effective way than saying you did this, these three things well, but we need to work oh, on this. And I just think that's a, a better way to, to kind of manage and to Watch. focus with folks. Watch. And so these were the things that she was doing. And then I also, um, I also challenged her, you know, to ask, you know, how can, how can we, as work as a team with her manager, how can we work as a team against the problem rather than against each other? And I just think that's such an important key. And, and then her other question was, what can I do to be a better middle manager? And, and so now she's starting that mindset. Okay. What's the middle manager do? What's the responsibilities? How do they operate? How do they function? And how do they speak with one voice from upper management? And when you do that, you're going to become a much more effective middle manager. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, her and the manager did, in fact, meet, had a couple-hour meeting, uh, kind of cleared the air. Um, and, you know, they're, it's one of those stories where they're going to live happily ever after. Right. Are they never going to have conflict again? No. Uh, but I think they, they now know how to deal with that conflict in a positive way. Well, also the powerful skill of the next conflict, mm-hmm. that she's going to have this experience right. and this coaching to help with that next one that comes up, whether it's this manager or another manager. Mm-hmm. That's pretty marketable. That's powerful. Where right. you can go in and handle uh, challenges like that. Right, because people want to see when they when they interview. So many people on their resume make the mistake, or these are the things I did, and these are the things I did, and these are the things I did. Uh-huh. People want to know what were the results. How much? Right. How did you increase sales? How did you improve the bottom line? Or how did you handle conflict in a productive way? And that you know it was a win win for both folks. Mm-hmm. When you develop, when you improve sales, or you improve the bottom line, or you're able to handle conflict in a, in a positive, productive way, those are skills that companies want to hire. That's when you become valuable. I, I think. I, I think. I just think about those times when you face the next challenge, and you say to yourself, "Oh, I've done this before. I know what I'm doing." I can handle this. And it's not stressful. Right. And it's not as a big deal anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a, a great video out there I'd love for people to uh, watch by Ted Ledbetter. And he, it's a video about uh, Brad Stevens and Butler. He's talking about coaches. And, uh, you know, it's a game. At the end of the game, it's a, it's a great video. And I'll describe it here a little bit. But it's Gonzaga against Butler when Brad Stevens was still at Butler and Gonzaga is like ranked 13 or eight and Butler's, you know, they're, they're both in the top 20. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, Butler's down by one point, four seconds to go inbound pass goes to a guard. He drags his pivot foot. And then of course they lose the ball. So then the ball goes back to their side. So, you know, in basketball, if you lose the ball in the last four seconds, right. the chances of you winning are extremely low. Mm-hmm. But Brad Stevens never gets angry, upset or anything. Literally, as you watch him on the sideline, he's just as calm as cool, collected, goes over, gets a sub, brings it in and basically is focused on what's the next play. Oddly enough, they immediately in the next four, in the, when the next down inbound pass happens, guess what? Butler steals the ball, takes <laughs> it down the court last second shot goes in and of course the student body 
Uh, it's at Butler. The student body goes crazy. The basketball players go crazy. Brad Stevens never uncrossed his arms, sees the ball go in, and literally starts to walk over to the other coach to shake his hands. No change in demeanor or, or things like that. I think it's that's that's the mindset of a yeah. great coach because Brad Stevens rarely talks about winning. He talks about process. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what coaching is about. When I talk about being, he wants to be that kind of coach that focuses on the process. Do those things well. I think that's the thing that makes us great coaches is if we talk about the process and being, then it's remarkable what we can achieve. And these this experience helps people get there. Absolutely, this, yeah. That's a great story. And and it, and I'll be honest with you, it was a frightening story for me. I I literally uh, spent. I was on the road and I called my wife the night before and I said, you know, I don't know right now what to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, I've got to sit down and make out some questions to process this, so I know because I don't want this to go badly for them. I have such respect for these two folks. Mm-hmm. I want it to be successful, and then to help guide them through that process in a productive way. I felt like it was a great week. Awesome. Thank you, now, my friend. Now, people want to know how they can have a great week and get a hold of you <laughs> to help them with things. How do they get a hold of you? Right. Um, and uh, I, I've got to say, from this podcast and from uh, working with coaching, I'm just becoming busier and busier and busier. And good. It's, it's Yeah, good. that's a great thing. Uh, but I've never been quite so busy as I've been with uh, doing this. But uh, they just get my website, RoryRoland.com. It's R-O-R-Y. R-O-W-L-A-N-D.com. They can get a hold of me. It's got my contact information there. And, and uh, uh, we can show them. We can help their organization improve and become better managers and coaches. All right. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Thanks, my friend. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production. Produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRoland.com.